calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover. And you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hello, and welcome to the Lightspeed Magazine Story Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Freund. Lightspeed Magazine is edited by John Joseph Adams, and our podcast is produced by Skyboat Media. Today's story is The Fairy Tree by Kathleen Kayembe, narrated by Jamie Joseph. This story is copyright 2017. Kathleen Kayembe is the Octavia E. Butler Scholar from Clarion's Class of 2016. With short stories in Lightspeed and Nightmare, an essay in Luminescent Threads, Connections to Octavia Butler, and previous publications with Less Than Three Press. She writes romance as Kaseka and Vita, co-hosts the Right Pack Radio weekly writing podcast as herself, and lives on Twitter at M-K-K-A-Y-E-M-B-E. A long-time member of the St. Louis Writers Guild, she organizes write-ins instead of movie outings and falls in love with the world every time she uses a fountain pen. You can find her in St. Louis where, when not at her day job, she is generally freelance editing, walking her dog, running Amherst writers and artists' writing groups, scribbling stories into a notebook with an odd little smirk, or playing obnoxiously sensible RPG characters who won't let party members die. So with all that, you know that it's time to buckle up. We're going to light speed. The Fairy Tree by Kathleen Kayimbe There's a fairy tree in my front yard. Its branches are gnarled like an old woman's fingers, knobbed like her knees, and the trunk hunches down like she's reaching for my house. Mamma said the hole at the base of fairy trees is where fairies come out or rush in or leave gifts if it's big enough, though I was too young to remember. She says I was fussy in any arms that weren't hers or the tree, least till I got used to everything. When I was real little, sister says she could always find me curled half in the tree if I'd toddled off like I fell asleep trying to find Mamma's fairies. Still, after she showed me, I was scared to sit in its big open lap for a time. Scared fairies would rush on out and into me, and I would have wings beating in me, and they'd fly me far from home, just buzzing along like a balloon through the clouds. Tonight, I want to be flown away. Sister got married and didn't tell me. She got married and didn't tell nobody. She didn't tell Mama. She didn't tell Pa. She just up and got married and brought that man home. I don't like him. He's tall and skinny, a beanpole of a man with straw for hair and black buttons for eyes and rough gunny sack skin. His smile's like still water, stagnant and sick a birthing ground for things that's just born rotten. I don't know what she sees in him. He drawls and hauls and hums all the time, 
don't say what he mean, and look at us like we're fools. He's all wrong inside, and his face ain't right either. Ain't normal, like their marriage. Sister used to be strong. I'll have a fairy prince or nobody, she'd say, and fairy princes ain't real. But here she is, come back from boarding school, with a man and a ring and a baby on the way. Oh, Mama ain't happy. She's pretending to be, but she's not, and told me so. That sister of yours gone and got herself knocked up and had one of those weddings. Don't know where she got it from. She weren't ever getting married, and now here she is. This is your pa's side, Mary Ann. Only your mamma done something that stupid, God rest her, but at least we got your pa. That damn school's luckiest empty right now. Come fall term, I'm raising hell. Except sisters quit school, quit and married and gonna have a baby, and I don't like it one bit. I go out to the fairy tree and mosey around, looking for little wings before I sit and lean back and relax. It's dark, but still warm, and the ground soft, its new green poking up around my bare toes. From against the tree, big leaves hide the moon, but I can see clear through the windows into the house. The bottom floor is dark. The second floor is sister's room and my room that was Mama's before she passed. The top floor is Mama and Pa's room. They have the whole attic to themselves. They were going to move into sister's room so they didn't have to climb so many stairs, but now they're going to stay put until sister's got a place. In Mama and Pa's room, they're arguing. I can tell even though they're hugging and putting on night clothes. They argue real soft, so you can't hear them. But I can tell by their feet, because Mama always gets the urge to run when she's angry, and you can hear her skip, step, stop from down below and know she's in a tizzy. When I heard that, I put my dress back on and came out. No sense trying to sleep while she's banging around. I can see her now, and she's as fired up as Pa is tight and still. They're talking about sister. I know it. Sister and her scarecrow husband are in her room. She's got a double bed, so I know where he's sleeping tonight. They just better not do anything under Pa's roof. From under the fairy tree, I watch him kiss her, watch her close her eyes, and see him look straight out the window at me. I freeze up, and then I think he can't see me. But he stops kissing sister and pulls the curtains closed. And I know if he tells Mama I saw him, she'll lick me for being nosy. The fairies in the tree start buzzing behind me, like a nest of wasps getting ready to swarm. I know it's them. I saw them once when Mama called them out to set me straight. I think about sister's man, and I'm tempted, fierce as Jesus in the desert. But I don't. Mama told me the price she'd paid for letting them loose, said giving up her grandbabies the hardest thing she ever done. Sure, she got back her son and he raised up our family with Mama, but sometimes she must have looked at us and just hated. I ain't scared of the fairies no more, and they never do speak, but I learned they get loud when my heart does, so I try to feel quiet. The night air is warm, and the breeze is cool. I breathe deep and stare at the dark. Fireflies float everywhere, winking like the stars I can't see through the branches. I don't want to face Sister's husband in the morning, but I know I have to. I don't much like the idea of him sleeping on the same floor as me, but Sister will protect me if it comes to anything. Pregnant or not, Sister's always stood up for me. In the morning, Mama's cooking eggs and Pa's asking Sister's man questions at the table over coffee. What does he do? Who are his parents? How did he meet Sister? You know, questions. Sister's helping Mama when she's not sitting quiet at the table with her hands folded in her lap like a big china doll. 
When I finish setting the table, I try asking questions, too. Try to get sister to talk, but she won't. I start how the girls at school start. How did he propose? Even though I don't care about that. I remember they all looked at me strange when I said so, like they knew I was different. Wrong. Not a real girl. I pretended I cared after that, and Mama nods when she hears me ask, What was the wedding like? And I know I done right in her eyes. But sister don't answer, just sits there, and I'm done pussyfooting around like it's fine when it ain't, and I snap. You'd never pick a man like that, so how'd he get his dirty claws into you? Mary Ann! Mama bursts out my name like I cussed in church. Pa thunders, hush, right behind her. They look at me sideways like I ain't got manners, or maybe like I just ain't right, like I'm different. Men are speaking, Pa says finally, but he don't say go cut a switch. So I scrunch up and hush up and sulk. Sister don't wink at me like usual, though. Just stares at her hands until Mama calls her to help bring out breakfast. There are eggs and pancakes, and my mouth would water on any other day at the thick smell of hot batter on the skillet. But today, I'm too busy glaring at the bean pole to be hungry. I hate him already but I know he's turning Pa around. It's like Pa can't see his scarecrow face. I know Mama don't like him, but if Pa likes him, she'll make do and pretend. That's how it always is. So, Marianne, do you cook? The beanpole asks. I tell him, yes, sir, but that's all I say and my face tells him I don't like questions. Before Pa can get on me again for being rude, there's food on the table. Mama's smiling, and sister's just a quiet young lady, a pretty, empty face I can't reach. Something don't feel right. But don't Mama or Pa notice, and I can't tell why. So I eat quiet-like and pretend I'm a lady. Pa's talking to Beanpole again. That night, I go back to the fairy tree and sit by the roots. I don't know why, but I feel safer here, and something's wrong in the house. Mama likes Beanpole now, and so does Pa, and sister's so quiet I don't know what to think. He just sits there with those black button eyes and that doll's sewn-on smile and that gunny sack skin. I don't know what they're hearing that turns him round, but he ain't getting to me. The fairy tree buzzes and lightning bugs flicker. Mama and Pa put on their night clothes and get into bed. They don't talk tonight. Just sleep. Sister's curtains are still open and I can see in. The beanpole wraps his arms around her, hands on her belly. And all at once, I think his hand's gonna change to a bear claw and cut the baby out. But his hand stays normal, and his black button eyes look out the window, right at me. He smiles that sewn-on smile, and I hate him, and I'm afraid of him, and I ain't used to either one. The fairies in the tree buzz with my beating heart. I can't tell if their wings are shaking the tree or if it's my heart beating so fast I'm shaking all on my own. I watch, pressed back far as I can, as he lets go of sister and walks to the window. He leans out, staring at me, then leans back in and closes the curtain. The buzzing don't get quiet, and I don't feel quiet. I'm scared to go inside, but I do. When I get to the second floor, he's standing in the yellow light from Sister's room, waiting for me. Marianne, he says, I get the feeling you don't like me. I don't know what he's really after, but I know he don't care what I think. I know enough now to play along, so I do. No sense proving I know he ain't right inside. I say... 
You seem like a decent man. Like I'm reading Mary for the nativity play. You just treat my sister right, you hear? He laughs like a toad, says, Sure thing, and shuts the door. I hold my breath and tiptoe past, scared that door's gonna open and he'll jump out like the boogeyman. But the door don't open, and when I get to my room, I latch the lock and turn on all the lights so no shadows can get me while I'm trying to sleep. I stay awake all night, afraid to shut my eyes, staring at the door and reading the good book like Mama does when she's upset. When dawn comes, I know I'm safe. When dawn comes, so does sleep. When I get up, I don't smell cooking, but I'm so tired I don't notice. I put on a sundress and wash my face and go to the kitchen and realize Mama's not at the stove like always, and Pa's not at the table with his coffee. There's no one in the kitchen but Sister, whose hands are in her lap at the table, and the bean pole, who's halfway on the side porch with the sheriff. Marianne, sweetie, sheriff says when he sees me. We missed you at Delilah's birthday last week. You catch a cold? I weren't sick. I hate parties, I say. Watch him eye me like something ain't right. Why are you here? Where's my mama and pa? I'm so sorry. Sorry why? What's wrong, sir? Where's mama? He makes me sit down at the table, and then he says, I'm afraid your mama's passed. Your mama and your pa. Last night they both passed in their sleep. What? It's like he cut my strings the way my body goes loose, and I think if I'd been standing, I would have fallen on the floor. Sister, don't move. Don't come and put her arms around me. I stare up at the sheriff. It don't make no sense. They... they died? How? He nods, but he don't answer my question and it still don't make sense. I look at Sister, but she ain't looked up from her hands. I look at Beanpole, like maybe Sheriff's got the wrong house, and his hair is still straw, and his skin is still gunny. But his eyes are real eyes, and his mouth ain't sewn on. And I'm scareder now than when he stopped me in the hall late last night. Then... I see the hearse through his legs, black and long to hold bodies, and two deputies barrel in with a stretcher, and I know I gotta see for myself before my folks are gone. I run to the attic before they can stop me. I pull up the stairs and lock the trap door behind me. My mama and my pa didn't die in the night. It's not right. It's all wrong. Like that beanpole ruining sister. I just know when I see them, things will be right again. But I see Mama's face, and her eyes are black buttons. And I see Pa's still face, and his mouth is sewn on. And I know he done something. That damned beanpole did something. And I'd pay most any price to get him gone. Get him gone yesterday, before he hurt my folks. I can call the fairies. Mamma showed me how. He's just like Pa's sickness, like a blight on my family. And just like Pa's sickness, they can take him away. Sister's not right, but at least she ain't dead. She took care of me till he came along. I'll just take care of her till she's all right again. They're banging and hollering at the floor, bunch of men folk all angry at the hysterical girl making their jobs harder. I say goodbye to the only parents I've ever known, even pray like they'd want. Then I open the trap door and lower the stairs and come down, and I go to my room. Beanpole wants to have words with me, but it ain't his place. He ain't my sister, and he ain't my parents.
Because of him, my parents are dead. I latch the door in his stolen face and lay in my bed and start crying. I'm hungry and angry and sadder than I've ever been about anything, carrying on like families at funerals. But I ain't never felt things deep enough for that before, not even for Mamma. And I'm proud of this grief. I wallow in it, feel real for a spell. It hurts in my chest, like my heart's a bird fell out the nest and broke its neck at the bottom of the tree. Then anger burns through. I may not be the real Marianne, but I'm the one they got, and I'll do right by my parents like they did right by me. If the fairies can't save them, they'll save sister or I'll kill him myself. Come nightfall, that man will be gone. When I wake up, it's almost dark. I'm hungry and scared stiff of going through the house without Mama to protect me, without Sister to protect me, with the beanpole still here. But I need a knife and some fruit, so I compromise. I crawl out the window, scurry down the roof to the gutter, climb down, and sneak through the porch to the kitchen. I grab an apple from the table and Mama's boning knife, then hurry out to the fairy tree like that man might show up any minute. I curl close between the fairy tree's legs and try to think while more tears leak hot down my face. Mamma said fairies are crafty little shits, and words are important and hard sacrifice. I make myself eat, but save some for the fairies. Come sunset, I know what to ask. I cut my thumb when the sun's just disappearing, and the fairies' wings are buzzing with my heart. I press my blood to the dirt in the hole in the tree, and I say I need help, and they come. The fireflies pinwheel and scatter like smoked-out bees as the air turns to honey in my lungs. There's a strange pull, tugging where my thumb meets the earth, like my blood is well water being drawn out from deep underground. And then fairies start bubbling up from the ground, shake off dirt, unfurl dragonfly wings, and dart out of the hollow. Each one gone yields two more coming up, and there's more climbing out of the sides of the hollow, like ants climbing down from high up in the trunk. The fairies glow steady and dim, like ghost lights through a fog. One lands on my knee, nails digging like claws, and we look at each other real quiet. It looks just like the rest of them flitting around, but there's weight to it, weight like the curl of a copperhead, and I know it's in charge like I know it ain't human. It's the size of my finger, naked and fearless as a baby, like a flat-chested, crazy-haired doll with no nethers to hide. It's got big, black doe eyes, but they look at me fox-like, wild, wary, and meddlesome. The fairies pinwheel around but hover close, like they're waiting. The one on my knee reveals teeth like a shark, but its voice rings out clear as a sweet, tiny bell. What do you want? And what will you give in exchange? I try to breathe easy. There's a man killed my parents, hurt my sister, and got her pregnant. I want him dead yesterday before dark. I want every trace of him gone. You get rid of him, I'll give you the baby. It's his, probably wrong as its pa, and I know sister ain't wanted kids till later anyway. The fairy smiles, and it ain't a nice smile. But what will you sacrifice? It knows I don't want that wrong baby somehow. But that's the price Mamma paid, and I don't know what else to give. 
I got a gold ring, I say. Mamma's old wedding ring. Mama thought sister would get it. Kept harping on it when she found out. But when I offered to give it over, she looked at me like I look at sister's man. Like I was wrong inside. Like the ring should mean more than it did. I ain't tell her Mamma maybe gave it, hoping someday I'd be normal. Or maybe hoping what she done wouldn't touch sister through that band. That husband only gave her my pa, and cause of pa, she got me. I know she loved me, but that don't always help. Maybe the fairy knows that, cause it don't want my ring neither. I want a real sacrifice. Well, I ain't got much sides that to give. What kind of thing do you want? The fairy's mean smile gets nastier, and its teeth look longer. The other fairies stop darting like lost dragonflies. The crickets hush up, and the night air dies. You must have loved your parents very much to want them back, the fairy says, sweet as a salesman through those sharp, sharp teeth. Yeah, I admit, but I'm all over scared. No good comes from telling fairies some things. We cannot bring back the dead, little changeling. But we can give back your sister and take away the man and his baby. Will you pay our price? Depends what you ask, I say, like I ain't made my decision before I called him up like I did, come what may. The fairy's face goes soft and dreamy, like it's drinking good whiskey in a really soft chair. It says, When you think of your parents, I can taste your emotion. All your love, your devotion, and your grief beyond my understanding. We do not feel as the humans do, child. And you'll never feel quite like the humans do either. But you feel for your parents. You feel very much... It turns sharp as its teeth. I'll take that emotion as payment. My heart drops, and my eyes leak out tears before the words even make sense. You want to feel it? I ask, but I know what it meant. I want to have it, it says. That's a worthy sacrifice. That's too much. Maybe I can haggle it down. Take what I feel from my pa. Taking both is too much. The fairy squares off like it's rich folk and eyes me like dirt. When last I saw you, Marianne, and my name in its mouth quakes my bones loud as thunder, you were half as high, and your grandmother called us out not to deal, but to warn you away from our folk. You know what manner of price our aid requires. Would you pay less than she? Two is too much, I say, quiet and scared. One for the man. And one for the baby. I ask nothing to restore your sister in honor of your ties to us, but mark me well, Marianne. I could demand what you feel for her, too, and call it fair. Oh, I say, like I've been shushed in church by the pastor himself. The first price weren't too high like I thought. 
We agreed to the terms, and I cut a slice of apple and eat half, and the fairy eats half, and the deal's done. I'm shaking like it's winter, and I feel cold all over. I pray to Mama and Pa that they understand why I'm giving them up. I loved them the best I could, but they're gone, and they're sisters to think about now. The fairy says, bring sister's man to the tree and they'll do it, and they'll take my pa when it's done. The fairy says, bring sister down to the tree too, and they'll take the baby and take mama, and it won't hurt none. I say, bringing them down weren't part of the deal. But the fairies just laugh like a bell choir and fly into the tree. The crickets start chirping, and the night air starts breathing, and the fireflies slide back under the branches. Beanpole ain't been in the yard since he first came with sister. I got no idea how to get him outside. I sit at the tree trying to think up a plan but my whole head's full up of Mama humming over the skillet cooking pancakes for breakfast, and the way Pa half smiles when I bring him more coffee. I see Pa whittling on the porch steps while the sun dies over harvested fields, and Ma mending in her chair, laughing with Pa through the screen. There were evenings before Sister went to boarding school when we'd all sat out there, all together, Mamma telling fairy tales, and Pa saying, Sister, no princess till you're thirty-five. And Sister getting fussy while Mama just laughed. He never told me, no princess, because I never cared to be a princess like real girls. But I knew my family loved me through and through on those nights, even wrong inside as I was pretty. I still wonder sometimes if the real Mary Ann would have been pretty as me, but maybe felt a lot more than I do. Maybe cried just like sister when Mamma passed. If maybe she'd have grown up scared of snakes and spiders, and if she'd have crushed on boys and fit in with other girls, and not looked at people like I do most times, wondering why they think stupid things is so important. Now I wonder, too, would she have paid to save sister like me? I was little when Mamma told me I weren't the real Marianne, but only she knew. My Mama and Pa loved me like I was her, and it hurts to remember, but it makes me feel human as sister, remembering, and I don't want to forget. I give up trying to plan when it hits me I won't remember nights on the porch the same without my love for Mama and Pa and without their love for me. I cry some more after that, and when my stomach claws at me I finish the apple, and then I watch Sister's light go on and hate the bean pole more than ever for what I'm giving up. Sister walks up to the window a china doll trapped inside oily light, and I look at her and hate her too a minute, cause she brought that damned man into our home. Beanpole don't come up behind her, though, and I don't see other lights in the house, and I wonder if he left on his own, and if he did, can I still keep my paw? But then I hear the screen door clack shut, and the beanpole melts into a shadow just outside reach of the fairy tree's branches. And I realize I ain't got to bring him here at all. Come inside, he says, stretching out his hand. I promise you'll feel better in the morning. Sister stands in her window, hands over her belly like Mary finding out her son's gonna die. I look at her, and I think of the fairies, and I feel mean as a razor. I ain't going in, I say. I won't. I'm going to sleep here tonight. At least come in and let me get you a blanket, he says all reasonable, like I don't know what he did. I'm just fine, 
I say, and I wait for the fairies, but they don't come, and I wonder if he's not close enough. So I tell him, like I might be a tiny bit sorry. I will take a blanket if you bring it here. He shrugs like a good man trying to make nice, and he goes and gets me a blanket and stops on the edge of the branches again. Brought you a blanket, he says. Come get it, and then I'll let you alone. Promise? Like I ain't planning to kill him? Yeah, I promise. Like he ain't a killer and a thief. Sister's still in her window, hands on her belly, but she's looking right at me, and all at once I'm afraid of her too. The fairies said they'd make sister like she was, but what if they can't, and that's why they said she was free? What if I'm about to give up Mama and Pa, and I don't even get sister back like they promised? My heart starts up thundering, and the fairy tree buzzes behind me, and I realize I don't want to move. I hate the fairies much as I hate that beanpole, but I feel safer touching the fairy tree and curling the boning knife in my hand. I'm afraid to go and get that damned blanket. Come get the blanket, Marianne, he says. No, I'm warm, I say, and it's true. I start feeling so hot I might sweat. I'm tired and hungry, and he murdered my folks, and he ruined my sister, and he has nerve talking with Pa's mouth while he glares down at me with my own mama's eyes. I want him gone, but first I need him to come closer. I'm waiting for him, eyeing him like those damned fairies eyed me. You won't be warm in the morning, young lady. I ain't his young lady. Then bring it here. I ain't moving. If Pa heard my tone, he'd make me go cut a switch. No, you come here and get it. Now. I mean it, Marianne. I'm in charge now, and I don't want you catching cold. When I don't budge... He tries for sweet, and it works. You wouldn't want to disappoint your mama, now would you? Don't you dare! I yell like I'm throwing stones, and my mind's all gone red with my rage. I run at him, quick and mad as lightning, and I stick him real good, and he drops the old blanket on my arms before I can think. Only then do I realize, piece by piece, like a quilt stitched together, just what I've done. The blanket is coarse in my hands, and the moonlight's a gunny sack shade matching his skin. When I look up at his face, Mama's eyes are black and smiling, and he's grinning at me in my pa's proud half-smile. There's no blood round the knife in his side, but his skin's peeling at the shoulders like a snake starting to shed for a new one. His fingers ain't fingers. They're sharp as bear claws. He swipes them at me. I fall, but I can't get my hands out to catch me. Then I see the blanket ain't a blanket, just like he's not a man. I'm gripping hard to a sack, winding its way over my fingers, up my hands and wrists and arms to my shoulders. I thrash like a fish in a boat till I'm on my side. Then I inch like a worm toward the fairy tree, screeching. Help me! Loud over my heartbeat I scream. No, goddammit! That man's close enough. If they don't take him now, he'll kill me, and they'll get nothing, and I'll be nothing, and I don't know what else I can do. But there's no lights, and then I'm yowling too loud to hear him buzzing if they do come, because the beanpole drives his claws into my foot and yanks me close, lifts me high by my shoulders, and his mouth opens wide. It's like a snake mouth, 
bigger than it has any right to be, and black inside with no teeth, just an eternity of nothing. He breathes in. It's like his breath's digging under my skin, fixing to rip it off, and it hurts more than his claws in my shoulders and where the sack's seeping in. I scream, and my voice feels skinned out of my body, and then over my pain, I hear bedlam, and it's coming fast. I feel the honey of oncoming power, and it soothes me. But the beanpole starts screaming and drops me to run. That's when I see them, buzzing loud as a waterfall, streaming out like a river of light from the tree straight at him. They fill the darkness with light, bright as day and as pure as an angel of vengeance. When I strain up to see the beanpole, he's covered in light. Fairy wings ripple over him like they're breathing, a seething army of ants covering him head to foot while he's in there screaming. It's horrible, the sounds of buzzing and chomping and him screaming like the fairies missed his vitals when they hit. Then he chokes and goes quiet, and it stinks of sour blood and sawdust and old rotten eggs. The fairies is still loud when beanpole starts shrinking, smaller and smaller, like they're ants on a carcass, till he's all but gone. I can't even think to feel glad when it happens. Cause when beanpole starts shrinking, my mind starts through memories of Pa as I lie in that unnatural light. And while beanpole's shrinking, what I feel about those memories shrinks with him till that's all gone too. I think on those nights on the porch, and they still feel so strongly of love and of family, but now something big's missing, and I feel a strange ache. I want to slap at the fairies that land on my arms by the dozens, but the sack crunches to nothing under their sharp teeth, and I'm afraid they'll keep eating. So I lay real still and hate them deep down. Up in her window, I see sister start to cry, and her hands clench her belly, and she looks sharp at me. Then she's gone, run right out of my sight, and there's galumphing through the house. Then she's running through the screen door and coming straight for me. She sweeps me up in her arms before I can blink. Thank God you're okay. She's crying messy. I was so afraid for you. Says, I'm sorry. And forgive me, please. What was he? I ask her. What did he do to you? But she don't answer. Just rocks me and wails like a baby. It's okay, sister. I tell her. It don't matter. He's gone now. We're okay. She makes a sound like she's laughing and crying both into my hair, and I hug her with my freed arms, scraped raw by the sack. Then the buzzing starts again, and fairies swarm in, horned mad as the air goes thick and bright with their light. They've come for the baby. I know it and I hold sister's hands when she swats at the fairies like she don't know just what they are. Sister's eyes roll back when the fairies rush at her belly and disappear and reappear through her dress and her skin. I catch her and lay her down on the grass beanpole trampled half under the tree. The fairies crash wave after wave of light into sister's swollen belly. Then she gurgles and my knee is wet in the grass by her thigh, and a black, rotting stains curling up her pale nightdress. I pull the fabric so the oil-slick baby oozes onto the grass, move sister away from the spill, and then look at the thing. It's gunny-skinned and sharp-clawed, and smells like its paw when he died. I hold sister close, she shakes and keens, but don't wake. 
as fairy light swarms the baby. I feel Mama go, too. The fairies fly back into the tree, drunk as anything on my feelings. Their leader streaks by me and don't even look over. Then the lights are gone, and the fairies are gone, and that damned man and his baby are gone. Like my mama and pa. For a few minutes, it's just me. Then sister wakes up, and it's just me and sister. We huddle alone under cold, distant stars while the land sprawls out empty for miles. Sister cries on my shoulder, but she's sister and not a china doll, and I cry because I have her, and she's all I got. I think that's the last of it. Now it's all done. Sister will take care of me, and we'll be a family like before she left. I should have known better. Sometimes I look at sister now, and the holes in my heart feel sharp as mama's boning knife, and hate settles over me like a blanket, like silence. I think of mamma those times, seeing me every day at the end of her life, and just knowing I weren't Marianne, and it was her fault, but she couldn't tell nobody. That's sacrifice. Give him what you can't give, so people you love get along better. Not telling what you gave for them while they rub that pain right in your face and you can't say a word. Least not one they'll believe. I sacrificed my love for Mama and Pa so Sister could get along better. She don't remember the night the fairies came. Just wakes up the next day with no baby. Doctor says stress for Mama and Pa must have made her miscarry, and grief made her forget. He says, get some rest. Then he takes me aside and says to me, you take good care of your sister, Marianne. And he asks how I'm doing without Mama, and I try to sound sad, but all I feel is the hole where my love got ripped out, and I must look real strange. "'cause his eyes get real sharp. "'Doctor looks at me like the girls at school look at me. "'Different. Wrong. Not a real girl. "'At the funeral, I don't cry and the mourners all look at me. "'Different. Wrong. Not a real girl.' "'And sister and I are laughing under the fairy tree one day, Months later, when she don't cry as fast and hard missing our folks. You remember on the porch when Pa said, No fairy princess till you're thirty-five. I guess I should have listened. And she laughs up through the leaves. And I laugh, but it's hollow. And I ache missing what I can't feel anymore about strangers I used to love. And sister says, what do you miss most? I miss those nights on the porch. And I look at the hole in the tree, like the hole inside me, and I think, I wish I could miss them. And it gets real quiet. And when I look at sister, I know I said it, and she heard it, because she's looking at me. Different. Wrong. Not a real girl. Like I'm a stranger, and she's seeing me for the first time, and she just don't understand. I clear my throat, say, I wish I could miss them less. Like I just talked too soft, and the evening wind stole the last word. Sister smiles all sad and nods like she believes me, and she acts just like always the rest of the night. But since that day, sometimes she looks at me sideways, and I think when the fairies took Mama and Pa, they took Sister from me, even as they were giving her back.
Welcome back. You've been listening to Jamie Joseph reading The Fairy Tree by Kathleen Kayembe. We hope you enjoyed it. If so, please help spread the word by leaving a review or rating at iTunes or the social media venue of your choice. Our editor is John Joseph Adams, and by no small coincidence, our sponsor this month happens to be John Joseph Adams' books, the science fiction fantasy imprint from Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. Taken from that imprint, this month's ebook issue of Lightspeed features an excerpt of Creatures of Will and Temper by Molly Tanzer. If you're not already a subscriber to our Hugo Award-winning magazine, check out our many options at lightspeedmagazine.com slash subscribe. Skyboat Media, the most respected independent audio production team on the West Coast, produces the stories for this podcast. They are headed by the Audi and Grammy Award-winning narrators Stefan Rutnicki and Gabrielle DeCure. Be sure to check out their website at skyboatmedia.com. Post-production was by yours truly. Our music and sound logos were composed and performed by Jack Kincaid. Thanks for listening. That's all for now. See you on the Bitstream. I'm Jim Freund, wishing you cheers from all of us at Lightspeed. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.